We have been studying various Christian virtues, and two weeks ago we began our study of the Christian virtue of generosity, but we did not finish it. Last week we took a quick look at the subject of tithing, and this week we return again to the subject of generosity. What I want to do this time is look at the subject of generosity from the perspective of 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. In this particular chapter, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Corinth about the uh, a collection which he was taking for the uh, poor saints in Jerusalem. This was there was a famine going on in that that area at this time, and the saints in Jerusalem had need of some of the necessities of life. And Paul was going to the other churches in uh, Asia Minor and in Greece and so on to collect for those poor saints to help them out. And he begins the chapter, 2 Corinthians 8, by highly commending the Macedonians for their assistance. The Macedonians were themselves poor, Paul says, but they wanted very much to be able to help the saints in Jerusalem, and therefore they gave to the saints more than they could afford. Verses 1 and following, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints." And Paul then uses this example of the Macedonians, he says, to test the Corinthians. Verse 8, I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love, that is, your love for God and for his saints, by the diligence of others. He's comparing, he's going to compare what the Corinthians do with what the Macedonians do to test the sincerity of the Corinthians' love. Now, I don't want to work through this passage verse by verse, but what I want to do instead is, is uh, look at some of the basic principles, important principles about generosity that are either explicitly stated here or that are um, implied in the example of the Macedonians and in the words of the apostle to the Corinthians. The first and probably the most important principle that we can identify in this passage is the principle that the motivation for our generosity to others is the generosity of God to us. You find this most clearly expressed in chapter 8 verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Our Lord Jesus Christ was rich because he was the Son of God, exalted in the heavens. All things belonged to him and continued really to belong to him after he came to earth. But he emptied himself. And he said to his disciples, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He emptied himself for our sakes. He emptied himself even to the point of death. He 
emptied himself of all that glory that belonged to him according to his divine nature. He emptied himself completely so that we, through his poverty, might become rich. And therefore, the apostle concludes this passage, this part of the letter to the Corinthians in chapter 9, verse 15, when he says, Thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. That unspeakable gift of God to us in our Lord Jesus Christ should motivate us to great generosity towards others. God has given to us far beyond what we could ever ask, certainly far beyond what we could deserve, and he expects us to respond to that generosity of his by a thankful and generous giving to others. In fact, of course, the apostle says here in this chapter that in our giving of our money to others, we should first of all be giving ourselves to the Lord. Verse 5 of chapter 8, when he talks about the Macedonians, he says they gave themselves, or they, they gave their gift, and not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. That is, they gave not only of their money, but they gave themselves with all that they had to the Lord. They acknowledged that they were the Lord's, and all that they had was the Lord's, and they were willing, therefore, to use themselves and their money for the good of others. And this, therefore, this uh, generosity that we show uh, as motivated by Christ's gift to us works out for the glory of God. Verse 19 of chapter 8. And not only that, but who was also chosen by the churches, he's talking about Titus, to travel with us with this gift, which is administered by us to the glory of the Lord himself, and to show your ready mind. So that's the first thing we want to note about this passage. Our generosity to others should be motivated by the free gift, the wonderful gift of God to us. The second thing that we want to note about this passage is that the Apostle makes very clear in the passage that this uh, matter of generosity is a gift of God, a grace of God, which we ought to seek. Notice how he begins the chapter 8. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. And what was that grace? That they gave themselves to the Lord and they gave a generous gift to the saints at Jerusalem. And again in verse 6, So we urged Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. It is a grace of God that we should seek from his hand, this, uh, this liberality, this generosity, this willingness to help others is a grace that God works in us. Paul says it again in chapter 9, verse 8, when he says to the Corinthians, God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. That is, Paul wants the Corinthians to abound in everything. 
but he wants them to abound in everything so that they may in turn abound in every good work, also in helping their fellow saints. So that's the second principle, that this this, uh, matter of generosity is a gift of God and a gift of grace to us through Christ Jesus our Lord. The third thing that we want to note is that this um, generosity is a practicing of the fellowship of the saints. When it's done within the churches, and it's not limited to the churches as we'll see in a moment, but when it's done for fellow saints, it is a practicing of fellowship with them. We are all members of the body of Christ, and we give to one another. And we give to one another because we are in this fellowship with one another. Because we are, as it were, one family with each other. Just as we would always be willing to help a a family member if it lay within our power to do so, so we are always willing to help a family member in the body of Christ. And thus to practice fellowship with the saints in that way. He says to about the Macedonians that they implored him with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. So we give ourselves to the brethren. He goes on to say that too, not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God, verse 5 of chapter 8. So it is a practicing of fellowship, and therefore we should do it cheerfully and willingly, not grudgingly or of necessity. Chapter 9, verse 7, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly of or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now there is also a generosity which we should show even to unbelievers. And the Apostle Paul mentions that, at least in passing, in chapter 9, verse 13, where he says, We, however, will not boast beyond measure, but within the limits of the sphere which God appointed us, a sphere, excuse me, that was Second Corinthians 10, I meant to read Second Corinthians 9, Verse 13, while through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and all men. And the apostle talks again about doing good to those outside the household of faith in Galatians chapter 6. So this generosity is not limited to the saints, but Within the fellowship of the saints, it's especially important. And within the fellowship of the saints, it is a practicing of the fellowship. that fellowship. In this gift of generosity, which the apostle is urging upon the Corinthians, Paul seeks equality. Verses 13 to 15 of chapter 8. I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened. So he's saying to the Corinthians, I don't mean that you should give to the point that you cause yourselves to suffer uh, want so that 
others may not want. That's, that's not the point here. But by an equality, that now at this time your abundance may supply their lack, that their abundance also may supply your lack, that there may be equality. Now, the equality he's talking about here is not community of goods. It's not the point here. What he's talking about is an equality in giving. That is, for now, the apostle says, it is your turn to give to the saints in Jerusalem, to supply from your abundance their lack, so that in a later time, perhaps, their abundance may supply your lack. This equality, then, is the equality that comes from the saints supplying each other's needs. And sometimes some give to others, and then those later, at another time, those others give back to those who first gave to them. In that way, there is equality between them. And thus, also, the needs, the, uh, the essentials for all, are supplied. And this applies not only to money and food, but to many other things as well. To labor, for example. Perhaps, for example, the the people at Jerusalem, though they were poor, might be able to supply a need uh, for um, manual labor or even spiritual labor to the churches at Corinth. This can extend to... to, um, others in many different ways than simply the supply of money or food. But the apostle seeks equality. And he uses for his example of this equality, Exodus chapter 16, verse 18. That verse has to do with the giving of manna, God's giving of manna to his people in the wilderness. And God instructed his people at that time, gather only what you need for the day. And the verse tells us that there were some who gathered much and some who gathered little, and that they had no lack. Though Even those who get gathered little had no lack. Now we might be inclined as we look at that verse to say, well, what that means is that there were some who had large households, and so they went out and gathered uh, enough for their households. Maybe they had a household of 10 or 12 or, or 20 people or whatever it was, including servants. And there were some who had small households, maybe just one or two people, and they gathered little, but nobody uh, gathered uh Nobody lacked anything. Everybody gathered what he needed. But the apostle takes that and he puts it into this context of of the abundance of some supplying the lack of others. And so apparently what that verse means is that there were some who did gather more than they needed and they supplied the need of those who did not gather enough. Perhaps there were some who were too old to gather for themselves or some who had some kind of disability or some who were sick or whatever the case might be. And in those circumstances then, those who had abundance, who were able to gather more, would supply the needs of those who did not have enough. But the the whole idea is that the saints take care of each other so that at least none of the saints lacks anything that is essential for his life here in the world.
Another principle that comes out in this whole uh, discussion of the gift to the saints in Jerusalem is that this giving in this particular circumstance is voluntary. The Apostle Paul says that in verse 8 of chapter 8, I speak not by commandment, he says, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. That is, he says, I'm not commanding you to give this uh, offering for the saints in Jerusalem. I'm test, simply testing the sincerity of your love. And he says it again in chapter 9, verse 7. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. That is, not by commandment, but as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. We may speak, therefore, of a general obligation that we all have to help the poor. But there is freedom for us as individuals in individual circumstances and according to our own circumstances. So in, in one particular case, we may decide that this is not the time for us to give. Maybe we have just been giving beyond our capacity to someone else and we don't have the means to give. Or maybe uh, there's another cause that we want to give to instead. This is to be voluntary in particular circumstances. And the Apostle Paul makes that very plain to the Corinthians here. Without, of course, undermining the scriptural principle that we have an obligation to care for the poor. It's just voluntary how we fulfill that obligation. Another area that's important is, another principle that's important rather, is that the amount which a particular person gives is not important. It is rather the willingness to give that is important. And we may think, for example, of the widow's two mites. Jesus highly commended the widow who gave her last two mites into the temple treasury. That meant very little as far as the temple treasury was concerned, but it meant a great deal as far as God was concerned. And Paul makes that same point here in 2 Corinthians 8, especially verse 12. For if there is first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has and not according to what he does not have. And I think we should make this a very practical matter. <clears throat> For example, if you are training your children to be uh, helpful to the poor, to be contributing to the support of the ministry of the gospel, your, your children may have very little money. You may, for example, give them an allowance of uh, $10 a week or something like that. And you should not think within yourself then, well, that one dollar that, uh, uh, that would be a tithe makes no difference to the church and therefore nothing needs to be said about it. Or it may be that your child wants to give a few pennies into the offering for the, uh, the, uh, the needy in the church. 
And you should not discourage that and say to the child, well, those three to the child, those few pennies don't matter. In the presence of God, those pennies matter a great deal. It's not according to what one uh, does, the amount one gives, but according to the willingness to give, the generosity, the liberality, the cheerfulness, the willingness, the readiness of mind is what matters to God. And if all one has to give is a few pennies, God accepts that as uh, willingly and as joyfully as a thousand dollar gift from someone who is rich. So it's not the amount that matters, but the willingness of the mind. So those, I think, are the, the principles that we can derive from this passage. Five, six of those principles, I think. Its basis is the generosity of God to us. Generosity is a gift of grace that we should seek from God. Among the saints, it's a practicing of fellowship, but that does not mean that we should not be giving to others also. It is a voluntary matter. Paul is seeking here equality among the saints, reciprocity among the saints, and a supplying of the at least the essentials of life. And it is the willingness of mind rather than the amount that matters to God. And Paul attaches to this also a promise in chapter 9, verse 6. But this I say, he who spares, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. We should be bountiful in our giving to others, not sparing. And God will recompense us. He recompenses us according to our works. Not because we deserve that recompense. Let's not get that kind of idea into our head. But because he is well pleased with those who are as generous to others as he has been generous to them. Now before we wrap up our discussion then of uh, generosity, let's refer to a couple of other passages. First of all, I want to point out that in Proverbs 31, the uh, generosity to the poor is one of the characteristics of the virtuous woman. In fact, it's a characteristic that's actually mentioned twice in the passage. Proverbs 31, verse 20. She extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. She does. This woman is depicted as being very busy in the business of her household. But one of her characteristics is that she is generous to the needy. Then we have also Psalm 112, verse 9. Psalm 112, verse 9, is a, a companion psalm to Psalm 111. And Psalm 111 celebrates the benefits of God to his people 
And Psalm 112 celebrates the blessedness of the righteous man. And one of the characteristics of this righteous man is, according to verse 9, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be exalted with honor. And then also Romans chapter 12, verse 8. Paul gives us there a list of the various gifts which God gives to uh, his people within the body of Christ. And he lists uh, a number of different gifts, beginning in verse 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Here you see that exercise of that gift again within the fellowship of the saints. And the apostle uh, recommends that those who have the ability to give, give with liberality. So when we look at this matter of generosity, both in the support of the ministry of the gospel and in the care of the poor, we should think of it as a privilege that God has granted to us. God has given to us the privilege of using our resources and our gifts for the benefit of our fellow saints. And we should have as our attitude toward this giving the same kind of attitude that the Macedonians had. In a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And as we give, we should be giving thanks to God for his unspeakable gift to us in Christ Jesus our Lord. May God bless you with his word.